Oh yeah, I like the sound of that, and I know that you're gonna like the sound of it too. This is The Manny Wolf Show, where I pull no punches, I don't hold back in my conversations with some of the most interesting minds on the planet. So, put us in your ear, turn the volume up, and hang on for another episode. All right, it looks like we are live. And I recognize that we're a little bit late today because we finally had some tech issues with StreamYard. So um, not to worry. And guys, give me a second as I as I do the sharing that I have to do here. Let's see. I want to go to my page. And you out there in audience land, you know the drill. Just give me a second. I get to share this out to several places. Um, and Mike and Julie, please share it as well when it shows up. So let's see, we've got, oh, Amanda's on there waiting and watching. Thank you, Amanda. All right, let's, we want to do a watch party. Watch parties are fun. I know this is uh, apropos of nothing, but speaking of watch parties, I might be developing a little bit of an addiction during quarantine to watches. I'm just putting that out there. Um, it is, uh, <laughs> it's getting bad over here. <laughs> anyway. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Manny Wolf Show. Today I have Mike and Julie Hodges, a brother and sister dynamic duo who are, to say the least, putting a new spin on helping your kids to not only learn to read, but I think that the main emphasis here is enjoyment. Is that right, guys? Yes. Absolutely. It's about, it's about enjoying learning to read. Um it's interesting to me, I think back to Michael Gerber. Does everybody know who Michael Gerber is? When he was asked, glibly in my opinion, what made you decide to build the E-Myth Academy? And he laughed and he said, I didn't decide to build this. It presented itself little by little. The work was seductive. It was elegant. It was meaningful. Next thing I know, I turned around and I'd been doing it for 10 years and I was completely in love with it. Now, most of this program is not going to be about me today, but I just wanted to say it's fascinating to me how many people in the educational space are simultaneously in my space, mm -hmm. almost to the point where I feel like I'm ignoring something that is sort of glaring at me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and you guys are part of that equation. It's really fascinating. Um I didn't seek out to find this, but, uh, and, and this is where we stop talking about me and we start talking about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, for, um, thanks for having us on, Manny, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, now, I, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, and we won't pretend this is one of those things where I don't already know you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't like when interviewers do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, Mike, you are a client slash student of mine. Mm -hmm. You yes. introduced me to Julie, and, and I love what you guys are doing. So let's start first with the philosophy you guys are bringing into this, uh, this, this putting fun and enjoyment into learning to read. It, it really started when we began talking with each other uh, down at our, our parents' house about two years ago. She was telling me um, what was going on in the, in the school system. And, you know, there's a lot of challenges going on there. You've had other guests that have mentioned that as well. Yeah. And yeah. she reminisced about when she first was teaching how much fun it was and not only how enjoyable it was, but 
the kind of good results she got for her students. Yeah. She just happened to mention in passing that she had some materials that she had copyrighted that she was had available for sale. Uh, and I mm -hmm. thought, boom, there's a business idea right there. Yeah. And we kind of went from there and it was just rooted in her own experience. You know, Julie with the uh, working with the kids and, and yeah. being effective by having fun. Yeah. So Julie, what did you see that you wanted to change? What I, I don't want to like feed you the questions in the sense of like, <laughs> like, what did you see that was wrong, Julie? But you know, there, there is a lot that we could argue is, is a uh, sort of objectively wrong with the way kids are taught things. Mm -hmm. So what did you see that you wanted to change? I mean, tell, tell me a little bit about how you came to doing what you're doing. Sure. So it really started my first couple of years of teaching. Mm -hmm. I worked at a school where they did a lot of instruction through the arts. So we would take math, science, social studies, yeah. and we'd integrate the arts. Just the kids were so excited and enthusiastic and the teachers had a lot of creativity and kids could really show their imagination while they were learning. Mm -hmm. And I often say those were some of my best teaching years. It was just so rewarding to see the kids so excited. But I also used some of the knowledge that I developed and acquired through my, my reading training. I was trained um, in reading recovery, and I used just a combination of techniques to develop these materials. So I'm hearing two things here, or rather, I'm hearing one thing that's important that is not so much you saw something that was wrong as you experienced something you liked a lot. Is that right? Yes. Do I have that right? Yes, that's and then, absolutely correct. Good. And then I guess just tell us what reading recovery means, because I don't know, and there are probably people watching that don't know as well. So reading recovery is a program that's been around for many, many years. It started mm -hmm. in New Zealand. It's an international program that I was trained in probably my third year of teaching. Okay. And I taught that for 20 years. But the, the general concept is that you take what a child knows and you base the learning is individualized. Mm -hmm. So you're basing the learning off of what the child knows and you're connecting skills back into reading and writing. But you're using their genuine ideas and thoughts and writing. So it's, it's very meaningful for kids. So is this a is this an an answer or an alternative to this sort of the rote exercises? Yes. And, okay. All right. I'm um, glad you mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I strangely, I remember going through those things. And in my case, I was a voracious reader, voracious and fast and uh, and learned very quickly. Reading, speaking, and walking. <laughs> those right, all came, right. came early and quick. And um, I can remember feeling what I would best describe as sort of at odds with the flow of the class and the style of the class at a very young age. Um, is, is this the kind of thing that you're wanting to address? Right. So absolutely. What we're trying to avoid and what I've seen a lot of with some parents will try this and some in some cases, some curriculums mm -hmm. where there's a lot of just teach this skill, teach this skill yeah. or use worksheets. And a lot of, there are many kids that just need 
to be a little more actively involved. Yeah. So we're about engaging the senses using music, um, kind of hands-on manipulative activities, mm. tying, you know, connecting skills into reading and writing because sometimes kids just need to see the big picture, how it all fits together. When oh, it's I love, taught, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. When it's taught in isolation, sometimes kids don't understand why this is important. Why do I need to know this word? Right. But if they see it, oh, I need to know this word because I'm going to read it in this story. Um, or I may use this word in a sentence that I want to express. Um, that That's really what we're looking for is making activities meaningful and just so kids can have fun learning. I that's what it. we're really all about. Can I jump Mike. in real quick? Because what yeah. you were talking about, um, if you could share with Manny the story, I think it illustrates the point perfectly of what we're trying to do and what he's talking about of uh, Spider-Man. Oh, so. There's Anytime we can talk about Spider-Man, by hey, the way. Right? Yeah, yeah. So. so I was telling my, my brother this story about a little boy that I worked with who he had some behavior issues in the classroom. He was very frustrated. So when I first picked him up, he crawled under the table, literally under the table and would not get out. So I got my little notebook down and I sat down on the floor with him and just started talking to him to find out what his interests were, what his hobbies were. That was a big part of our program that we did with our, our reading program. So I took notes and I read a story to him and sent him back. And I discovered he loved Spider-Man. That was his big thing. So I ran to the store and I bought a Spider-Man coloring book and stickers. And the next day when I went to pick him up, I had him laying on a table. And I said, hey, I, I bought these just for you. Well, his eyes got big. And all of a sudden, he wasn't crawling under the table. I, I won a point. I had him sitting next to me. Mm -hmm. And I had him color the picture and just describe what was happening. And then I said, hey, we're, why don't we write that? I love the way you described that. Let's write that. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the parts he couldn't write. He wrote the parts that he could write, the letters or the words that he could write. And then he was so excited because all of a sudden, it was like this light bulb went off that yeah. some of these things that we're learning, I can use in my own sentence about something that interests me. And from that point on, I never had him crawl under the table again. Fast forward, the kids started participating in class. He was reading and writing on grade level by the end of the program. He just needed something meaningful and something that interests him. I think that, um, I think that that is very, very important. And in fact, I, I think that that extends far beyond just reading, right? I mean, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, I, I can look and trace back, you know, a, a life of mostly not having any support. Mostly, uh, Mike, you know, I don't say this for solicitation. I don't say this to get sympathy, but it, it's it's the truth. Um, and the times that I was even minimally supported for who I was, I just thrived. So where do you come into this, Mike? What's what's your sort of side of this this project you guys are doing? Well, in addition to some of the you know the business stuff, the administrative work, um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to bring, as, as you know, I do mindset coaching and personal yeah. development for people, mm -hmm. and we're trying. As Julie and I talked, we realized how much of that plays into learning. I don't know about you, Manny, but I grew up. It was always reading was these or, or learning your math or whatever were these specific skills that teachers gave you and it was just very rote kind of put down your throat yeah, yeah. and Julie and I are realizing no it's about 
expectations. It's about uh, your attitude. It's about your perspective on things. So I'm kind of working with her uh, a lot to direct to with the parents. She is the expert uh-huh. at teaching um, the children how to read. But a lot of times, you know, their parents are their first and best teacher. And I think maybe we need to do a little bit of um, helping the parents as well that, you know, you might have some ideas in your head about how your child should learn. You don't have to rely on that. You, you've got this. You're you're their best and their first teacher and giving them some confidence and getting them to maybe shift their perspective a little bit that there is more than one way to teach their yeah. child how to read. Well, what do you guys find are the um, if you can if you can quantify this, if you can even sort of like if this is not something different and unique to every set of parents, are there are there biases and, and assumptions that get in the way that t- parents tend to have? And if so, oh, absolutely. by God, what are they? Let's get them out there. Well, I, if, if it's okay, Mike, I'm going to jump in. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that you guys are so polite uh, some of the, <laughs> we're on camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some of the, some of the things that I've noticed with parents, a lot of times, number one, they're either not sure how to help their child mm-hmm. or they're also frustrated. You know, my kid's frustrated and, and I don't understand. I see a lot of these these posts. Yeah. Um, and, and especially now with with the quarantine, parents are frustrated. But I see people loading up on workbooks, workbooks. And it's just a simple little thing. You can teach that same skill without workbooks. Um, Mike and I joke around and we call it the chore and bore or the drill and kill. Mm-hmm. You don't need to drill and kill your child on certain skills. You can you can do activities with food to right. work on writing spelling words with yeah. you know whipped cream. You can make it fun. Um, that that's one thing, a very common misconception that parents have. Um, another misconception that parents have is I, I think people don't always they underestimate the fact of confidence and how that plays out with reading, with writing, with all subject areas, even with sports, right? Confidence is that that fundamental skill that every child needs, really every adult needs too. I mean, we don't even have to pigeonhole it. But I think sometimes what parents may take as being difficult, like the little boy, the Spider-Man boy, he was portrayed as having all these behaviors but his behaviors manist- manifested because he was frustrated. And yeah. as soon as he realized and developed confidence with reading, with writing, it blossomed and the behaviors went down and his participation and enjoyment went up. So I think that's that's a huge component that parents sometimes m- misunderstand about their child or children in general. And so we're talking about the the way that a lack of confidence can show up in behavior. Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. And so, so how do we then go? We've got some systems, I assume, to to help the kids um, sort of connect some fun and excitement and 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 make the experience of learning to read a little more personal to them, right? How do we then coach the parents? I, one of the ways, you know, it's interesting. One of the things, the parents, I think the uh, we have all been kind of 
not quite brainwash, that might be a little strong, but we, we, we kind of think back to our own educational experiences sure. and there's just a certain way to do things, right? You do this, then you do this, then you do yeah, this, yeah. then you do this. And uh, in today's world, Julie, as Julie said, it's the drill and kill. It's worksheet, yeah. worksheet, worksheet, worksheet. Yeah. And you, you don't have to do, I think we have to let parents know, you don't have to do that. You can sit down and, and uh, sing silly songs with your child or you could do the spider-man workbooks with your child and mm -hmm. the goal is to get them to read now if you have a child that that gravitates towards the worksheets and they're and they really like that and that's great right but just because don't uh, that that behavior problem you're seeing from the kid it might not be a behavior problem he might be bored you might not have gotten his interest and i think yeah. when you're working with your own kids we all know that in other areas of life that our children are different that what works with one kid won't work with another. <laughs> this just <Right>. in. <laughs> Newsflash, right? Yeah. But, but yet, why then why do we insist on thinking that every child should learn the same with the same right. technique and the right. same? It, it just doesn't make any sense. It's but that's been in, in in put in people's heads that, well, I have to do the worksheets. Well, you know, if no, you don't. <laughs> right. Do you? Well, and sadly, Manny, that, that's also what a lot of people are being told, is that every child can learn to read this way. So then parents think, well, if their child's not learning to read in that particular way, there must be something wrong with my child. And so sometimes in, that's not always the case. It's oh, Let me just get this straight. In, in your world, in your professional mm -hmm. world, that narrative is still being pushed? Yes, there, there's a lot of, you know, without getting into a lot of details, know, there I are think, a lot I of think politics. Maybe, too. I think maybe we need to get into it. I, I really do. Because let, look, we're talking about the well-being of, the, of, of your kid, Mr., Mrs., mm -hmm. person watching, right? And, and we know, the three of us, I bet all of us know, that we cannot reasonably predict the world that we're preparing kids for. That is absolutely Would you correct. Agree with that? Yes. We, we have no idea. Yeah. Right. And so there are certain things that are more fundamental than a liberal education. Now, a liberal right. education is 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 a cornerstone of it is going to be reading comprehension, right? Because everything comes through reading and speaking. So reading and communication, absolutely. but like what is it that we're bringing through with the reading and the comprehension if if we don't even know how much AI and robotics and things like that are going to be impacting the workforce in 15 years? That's and, very true. And because of the uh, um, Moore's Law Curve, the only thing we can guess with any kind of even close to certainty is that it's going to be a brave new world in 15 years, right? Yeah. So it's it's almost a situation of heuristics and apathy versus the rate of change. Am I tracking that right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I well Mike if you want to jump in, you can. I saw you getting ready. To um, well no, I was just going to say that 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 the coronavirus that people are at home, that's actually kind of an opportunity. I would, you were talking about what can we do for the parents. I would reframe this whole current situation that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. People are looking to their public school systems and they're saying, 
they need to give me my materials. You know, they're not prepared for this. They're not ready. And there's a lot of frustration out there. That's actually the perfect way to teach your child. They're going to be facing disruption their whole life, as you were alluding to. They're going to enter a world in which everything gets turned upside down almost overnight. And the ability to learn, (laughs) unlearn, and then relearn um, is going to be critical. So rather than get upset about it, teach your children, look, this this is okay. You know, the existing systems and structures and kind of protocols we have for doing certain things are going to be getting turned upside down over and over and over again in the next 10 or 15 years. Might as well start learning how to deal with it now. Well, and I think that to support that, we can we can look back over the last 30 years. I want to I want to say I remember I don't remember who it was. I feel like it might have been Ray Kurzweil, but I remember one of the great uh, uh, intellectual futurists of our time saying publicly, this is going to be funny, hopefully, (laughs) that voice to text was a technology that was out of our reach. It was just, I'm not kidding. It was just too big and too complicated. Right Now, whoever said that made a huge error in judgment in not considering the Moore's law curve of, of technology, you know, rate of increase. But um, and I've I've heard it said with solar, solar will never be a viable alternative because it's too cumbersome. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I remember Elon Musk breaking out the Moore's law curve and going, guys, every technology follows this exact curve. So the thing right. is, is that if we're talking about preparing kids for a future we can't predict and in a very kind of tangible way can't imagine, then we've got to focus not on just the liberal education, but the soft skills have to be in there. And what you, I'm trying to get. Hey, Manny here. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the importance of growing your own personal brand and your own audience. In this day and age, if you do business on social media or on the internet in general, you need to be focused on your personal brand. And your personal brand is a function of what people say, think, and feel about you behind your back. And that's where we can come in and help you tremendously. So I'd like to invite you to go over to my website, mannywolf.com, where you can either schedule a call with me or my team, or you can learn about the ways that we can help you to grow your audience powerfully and quickly. In this day and age, content is absolutely king. And if you don't have a content strategy, you can't expect big results. And what we do is we help you with powerful, powerful content strategies. In short, we can put you everywhere all the time without you doing hardly any work. Sounds kind of cool, right? If you'd like to learn more, head over to mannywolf.com and either book a call or look into one of the ways that we have already prepared to help you rapidly grow your audience, grow your trust, your authority, your personal brand, and of course, through all of those things, grow your business. All right, now back to the show. Get back to this idea of confidence yes, that you guys were talking yes. about. That's huge. It's, I would argue, I will, I'll, I'll submit myself as an example. And I have a ton of confidence and I completely caked to the bed in school. And yet, I don't mean this to be arrogant, but I bet you there's not anyone that would ever point a finger at me and go, he's dumb. Right. 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 
You know what I mean? And that's really important. I was, to put it melodramatically, I was a victim of, of post-agrarian agri- uh, uh, industrial revolution education model. Right. 100%. You know, I was like, I had to, I literally had to pitch my principal in the 11th grade and give him a presentation for why I was dropping out of high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was not, I was determined like come hell or high water, I'm not going back here anymore. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. And, and so I, I could read full sentences when other kids were sounding letters together. I, I was a, just a beast with reading. Um, and yet I struggled in school. Right. So what, what I'm pulling out here is that I, I guess in one hand, I'm saying, I love that you're thinking of teaching kids to read as a more holistic thing. And on the other hand, I'm saying, so to, to Julie, I'm saying, let's learn more about your idea for this more holistic approach. And to Mike, I'm saying, how do we get the parents on board? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because like I said, there, we, as humans, we're, we're victimized by our heuristics. Mm-hmm. We're absolutely, it's like having a tiger by the tail. Right? right. And most of us don't even know that it's just thought shortcut after thought shortcut after thought shortcut without any critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying from any place of objectivity, what can I do that's best for my kid to prepare them for this world that I can't predict? We're saying, well, this works for me. Right. You know, and and so first of all, isn't the objective to raise a kid that's better than you? Correct. (laughs) Correct. Right. Right. And and that's that you're you're absolutely right. That's the goal that we all have. We all want a better world. We should have. have. Correct. Yeah. We should have. That's a meaningful Um, goal. But to address your your point about the approach that I have with learning Uh is recognizing that some kids have confidence. But some kids actually are very, very bright, as you were describing. Let's take you for an example. What I would, I guess my question to you would be, were you bored with school or wanting to leave school because uh, did it lack a certain like attachment or meaning for you? Um, Did you not see the purpose? Was it purposeful, I guess? Uh, In hindsight, I can answer those questions. I couldn't have answered those questions in the moment, right? I, uh, yes, it lacked purpose for me. It was physically unsafe. It was, I mean, I remember in the 10th grade bringing not just a small bottle of whiskey, but a big bottle of whiskey to school in the 10th grade and hiding it up my sleeve. Oh, so, wow. So It's my example of using me as an example falls apart a little bit because I know that most kids don't have the sort of level of uh, what I'll playfully just call crazy, like circus grade crazy that my life was at that point. And so it it, so the so the using me as an example doesn't you can't really stress the edges of the comparison, you know, but that having been said, though, that having been said, uh, I didn't see the point in school. I didn't feel at all seen, understood, cared for, thought about in the school system, which I can say in hindsight was always very, very important to me. Like it was, you know, you do the disc test and the Meyer Briggs and all those tests and, and this sort of this need for self-identity, this need to be sort of seen for who I am 
was a big part, always has been a big part of my personality. And everything was the bell rings, sit at your desk, go through the, you know, and in my case, my interpretation of those things was one of nobody cares who I am. Right. You know, nobody right. cares that that I'm this like this kid who actually has this artistic soul, but has to fight all the time. Nobody cares that I want to be a visual artist. You know, no, you know what I mean? And right. so exactly. Yeah. So the piece about confidence for me um, it didn't come till much, much later, much, much later. And it was through a, a, a brutal, brutal process that I was, that I learned my own confidence. Um, whereas I could look at one teacher here and one teacher there. I think I had one teacher in the seventh and eighth grade, and then one teacher all through high school who really kind of took an interest, maybe, maybe three total. And in each of those classes, I excelled exponentially. So I, I guess what I'm saying is um, the short answer is yes to your question. Like it was, I was totally the kind of kid who was a little too early for progressive education ideas, mm -hmm. you know, just, just in my life. But, but I'm also probably the kind of kid that, people like Waldorf and Montessori thought about when they started to create their exactly. model. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's what came to mind when you were sharing yeah, yeah, the story. Yeah. Now, Mike, or both of you, how do we, how do we get buy-in from parents on this? How do we get them to sort of pull their head out of their busy day? Um, you know, start to, if this is even what has to happen, how do we start to get them to recalibrate the 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 relationship and the and the the role of being a parent to a kid who is at this point? And to me, it really a lot of it has to do with the uh, the Moore's law curve of technology, rate of increase of technology. It really does because fifty years ago, you couldn't say we have no idea what kind of future we're sending our kids into. It was right. incrementally different. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> well, Absolutely. Today it's again, geometrically you know, this different. This Go is ahead, a Mike. great time for that. This is a great. You know, I, I think the the first thing we have to say <laughs> is um, that the coronavirus is actually a blessing in disguise in that yeah. regard. Not that a pandemic is ever a good thing, but <laughs> but, but you're at home with your kids, right? Oi, again right. with the plagues. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. you know, you're at home with your kids now. And hopefully if you're paying attention, you'll be able to see, number one, well, my kid seems to have this down. They're really good at this. They seem to struggle yeah. with this. Why aren't they developing more in this area? Why? Uh, how can I help them in this other area? And to be to be a little blunt, why isn't the public school system able to address this? Why, why is this an issue? And then hopefully you'll be able to sit down there and get involved. It's a perfect opportunity for you to get involved and maybe start to realize, you know, maybe there is more than one way to do things. Maybe I can get in, involved in my kid's education. And it's not that I'm undermining teachers, but it's that maybe I can be in a support role. You know, okay, I'm a, I wouldn't, I would say at this point, uh, we need to speak in unfiltered terms. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And I only say that to you, Mike, because I know you a little bit and I know you're pulling your punches. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sitting next to a teacher, so I don't want to. But, but you're sitting next to a teacher who also knows that there are some problems, right? Yes. Right, right. And and so I, I think that 
it's not the biggest part of what we're talking about, but but I, I don't think you should pull your punches on this topic. Okay, then I think then I think what pe people need to understand is in many instances your child's not being served. There you they're go. Just, this is what we need to be talking about. Yeah. And they and it's not a them problem. It's a the system problem. You yeah. know, just because your child learns differently doesn't mean that you have a problem. That, you know, young Manny Wolf was not a problem. Young Manny Wolf was young Manny Wolf. Yeah. And he just needed to be approached differently. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, there, there's not, there's more than one way to learn how to read. Yeah. You know, as a side note, I, I developed a love for reading as well. And you know how I developed mine? Um, I'm, I'm seven years older than Julie. So, and we have another sister who's two years younger than me. When we were little, in order to keep us from fighting, just because we'd constantly bang on each other, she'd put sure. us on our lap and she'd read a story. <laughs> Yeah. And he put great narration and, and emotion into it. And we would be transfixed. Yeah. We, of course, we couldn't. She wasn't going over sight words and phonics and, and all of this. She was just making it enjoyable. And right. that's the way we learned to read. Yeah. And that lasted a lifetime. And now maybe you didn't need that, but that's OK. You needed what Manny needed. And the idea that we have to just try and jam this one size fits all curriculum down kids throats yeah. um, that's not serving them and i think we need to step right. up and parents need to parents need to know that and they need to assert their preeminence as their child's best and first teacher first of all i completely agree with you second of all you jogged a memory for me um one of the reasons i excelled at read i excelled at reading because language is sort of my strongest piece right language and empathy those are those are cuz i'm so cool i'm not bragging <laughs> <laughs> but but you know those are those are the things that I always test really high for. And so mm -hmm. what I had an experience where when I was very very young my mother was incredibly nurturing and supportive around both language and reading. So spoken language um I will brag a little bit and say that my first word was a complete sentence. My mom loves to trot that out anytime she can. Nice. I was 9 months old <laughs> and the wow. first thing I said was I want a candy bar. Nice. But um uh, the thing was, the thing that I can see back now um, in the light of what you're talking about, sitting in, on your mom's lap and having the stories read to you, is it was one of the surefire ways I could get a connection to my mother, to, 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 to be a great reader, to be a great speaker, to be, you know, clever with words. Um, and then one day it flipped around, but that's you know, that that's part of sort of what made me who I am. And that's not really what we're talking about. So I think that you're absolutely right about that. And I want to I want to just also point out when I asked you to stop pulling your punches, you lit up. Yeah, <laughs> I only I only say that because it's going to be the work you guys are doing is important. Mm -hmm. And you can't be pulling your punches with something like this. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Mike, you haven't really said, how do you get the, t the parents on board? You're, you're talking, you're making good points in general terms. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's get into it, man. <laughs> let's, let's get messy. How well, do we get the buy-in from the parents? You're the mindset guy. You're the one that has to sell the parents on this. Well, it's, it's interesting. That's one of the things that we're wrestling with when you mentioned, you mentioned the, you know, the mental shortcuts, yeah. I think, you know, in, in part, I, I think maybe part of it is going to be, you know, of course, it's always going to depend on the individual parent. But I think most mm -hmm. people, the first thing we have to, to, to do is just to let people understand this isn't serving you and, and don't be intimidated yeah. by people who are experts. Yeah. You need to get involved, almost a call to action, almost mm -hmm. to get, get up in people's grill and say, 
Yeah. Are you happy with your kid? Is yeah. your kid performing? Are you happy with the way your public school system is handling coronavirus right now? There was a, yeah. a, a, yeah, man. a group I follow who was just despondent. Um, he didn't know if his child was going to have to repeat the, the grade next year, um, mm -hmm. when they were going to start school, if they were going to stop school. And my point take on that is you need to stop worrying about the school. This is your kid. You know, if your kid is not reading, you know, look, you need to stop thinking that the, that, that somebody's going to step in. There is no, uh, knight in shining armor. That's going to come in and save the day. You're the knight. <laughs> You're the guy in shining armor. Now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hell yes. Now and we're talking. That's true. No, it's absolutely true. Um, it's so true. I, I may if have people been. People won't accept that, then they won't accept that. But that, I think, right. is hard. Right. By the way, just uh, a quick shout out to Amanda, to Jackie, to Rob. The comments are. People are really liking what we're talking about here, you oh, guys. Cool. We're getting a lot of comments on this. Okay. Um, Excellent. My, my eyes are not good enough that I can read them without going. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, the same here. The same here. Yeah. Yeah. LASIK. LASIK is in the future for me. Um, <laughs> so, so tell me about, and I think, Julie, this is for you, both of you, but Julie, it seems like this is more your wheelhouse. Tell me about the uh, the kind of educational environment you envision for kids where you're imbuing them with confidence while it, it seems kind of meta right kind of inception it's like oh over here over here we're just teaching you how to read but really it's like you're also learning all this confidence and life skills right right it, it, do i have it right absolutely okay. I, people think that reading is just reading and writing it's you know it's compartmentalized Right. But it's really not. There are a lot of, I always say, um, really in my job that I've had in my reading training, just to back up, I've always worked with kids that weren't identified as special yeah. ed, but were the t within the 20th percentile of the lowest performing in the their lowest. grade in first grade. Okay. So I've had some very interesting, you know, scenarios with students um, students with just a range of, of different things that they bring to the plate. Sure. But one thing I always say is it's like peeling back an onion. Yeah. There's a lot of times people have this misconception that it's one thing or they're looking to pigeonhole. Confidence is just one part of it. Yeah. But what I really, really the goal that I have with my program and what Mike and I are doing with our business we want kids to have an environment that's comfortable. We want them to, I, I know it sounds cliche, but to have a good time, to have fun, so that they don't look at learning as just this chore, this thing that they have to do. Right. Because like Mike was sharing the experience with my mom in the story time, if they're feeling really good about what they're doing, yeah. then they're going to want more, right? It's yeah. it's just like if you hit a home run, you don't just stop playing baseball. You want to keep keep at it, right? That's typically so, not when people lose interest. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so we want we want kids to hit a home run. We want them to feel successful. But we also want parents to understand that there are a lot of different ways that kids can learn. Yeah. And you have to tap into their strengths. So if you have I, I was working with a kid before the coronavirus that I discovered you know, different programs were tried with her. And within the first session or two, I noticed this child loved music. 
Mm-hmm. And her eyes lit up. So we would sing everything. I'd have a rhythm or a song for all the different things that we taught because that was her interest, just like Spider-Man was that yeah. child's interest. So yeah. that's really where we're trying to go with this is get a variety of senses involved and make it fun. I love that. The, the question that comes to me as somebody who's been making a living in the online space for several years now. So how do you scale something like that? Well, that's I mean, a good this question. Sounds, yeah, this sounds like, and I, I just want you to know, I'm just, I'm just challenging you to get you to think here, but this sounds like a really wonderful, but super high touch thing, right? It is, it is. And it's, so, it's been in the works for a long, long time. Yeah, I've been yeah, yeah. working on ideas for a long time. Um, one of the things that, that I'm working on right now. We have puppet skits that we're doing. Um, We have songs that we're creating. I have books that I've developed. So we have a lot of products to support parents. We're not just giving a theory and and saying, have at it and go to it. We understand that there needs to be some walking through with that. So tell me more about (laughs) that. Oh, that is great. Did you have that just for me? (laughs) I've actually been uh, waiting for the right time to break him out. Um, Originally, he was going to be a, um, and he may still be, uh, I call him Guru. Guru, there you go. That's (laughs) awesome. Because I feel like most of the gurus in the online space are really sock puppets with cool glasses on. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But you you gave me an opportunity, so I took it. Oh, you got to seize it. Um, let's see. Um, I know I gave you a lot there. You did, and I love it. I love it. I just want to. I want to get to um, how we. So so I was asking you how we scale this thing, right? How do you how do you how many kids can one teacher attend to in a meaningful way at this level of of touch and and sort of awareness oh i see i i understand your question now so optimally i prefer yeah. working one on one with students because that's how you okay. can that's how you can really tailor your instruction to meet their needs okay When you were talking about scaling, one of the things in terms of kind of our big ginormous goal that when I look to the future and I'm going to, you know, like the Steve Jobs inspired, he wants to just change everything. Julie and I have talked before and the fun is trying to figure out how to get there. Dude, we want to bring back Sesame Street. Right. Yeah. You know, I was just going to I was just going to ask you guys about that. Go on. Go on. But, but, you know, that kind of when we the electric company, Sesame Street, kind of different. Sometimes it's singing. Sometimes it's dancing. Sometimes it's storytelling. There's puppets. There's special guests and kind of create a curriculum or a world of that. And then, you know, again, just in the early stages, haven't quite figured it out. Figure out how to get that sort of curriculum, get it in the hands of qualified people, and then almost like more, not franchise, but get people who are bought into the system and then teach them how to do it so you can scale and reach more students. Now, I think, I'm about to say now I think we're getting somewhere, but what I mean specifically is with how this could be more than an ultra niche 
boutique service. Mm -hmm. The right. service itself, um, I I can feel your both of your passion for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm trying to be very, very careful here not to glad hand you guys, mm -hmm. especially after admitting publicly that we're already friends, right? <laughs> I, I really don't want to do that. I don't. Um, if you guys had come on and you hadn't had good, meaningful, thoughtful answers, the truth is I would not have saved you from falling on your faces, even <laughs> though we're friends. And I, it's very important to me that we all understand that because um, I don't glad hand. I, I, I really want something people can take from this. And you guys are doing right. a wonderful job of it. And then when I hear that, oh, your ideal is sort of one-on-one, -on -one, I go, oh, so for every kid you do help, there are, you know, there are like right. uh, 500 million that won't get. Right. And so right. I always think about this. I, I think, you know, Mike knows uh, I'm always thinking in terms of the big picture. Mm -hmm. um, so what you're saying then is, is if I understand this correctly, is that your, your, your focus, at least part of it, and maybe this is more you, Mike, Julie, I see you as the, um, I see you as the Wozniak. To, to use the jobs analogy, right? You're the one who that, built That's probably the, pretty accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You've, you've built the beautiful thing. And now Mike gets to figure out how to sort of market it to the world. <laughs> right. That's and exactly so it. <laughs> so, so Mike, you're thinking more of bringing people into um, a training model that allows them to do something. I love that. Right. Correct. Also love that you guys brought up Sesame Street, both because... I think that um, I know that Sesame Street was incredibly, inc it was important to me as a kid in the way that something like that, could, the only an abused kid, a neglected kid could bond with something like that. It was that right. important to me, right? Yes, yes. Um, and I don't, I know I'm not alone in that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that there has been, the, the things that I'm the most current on would be like, and I know that these are dated, by the way, Barney, Dora the Explorer. Um, these are, they feel more on a continuum from gross, Barney. Like kids love him, but it feels so fake and so corporate and so Chuck E. Cheese. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, all, all the way over to Dora the Explorer, which... I think I think some of the stuff that's happening there for kids is pretty legit educational mm -hmm, enrichment, mm -hmm. but it's clearly designed to be franchised and to be sold and to be it's clearly right. about your your back end opportunities for revenue. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And and I also think there's a needle to be threaded here because I think that you, you guys should. If you commit yourselves to this, you should be fabulously wealthy as a result of it. Mm hmm. But it should never feel like Barney and Dora the Explorer, right? Right, mm -hmm. right. This is a sort of apropos of nothing but a relevant question. What's your take on Dr. Seuss? <laughs> For me? Yeah. I, I absolutely love him. I know there's a little controversy going on right now, but I, I know... I think, Mike, I can speak for you because wasn't mm -hmm. your one of your favorite books, Go Dog Go or something? Yeah, when I was a little kid. Oh, I was all over Dog. I love Go Dog Go. I, I, I mean, how can you not love Go Dog Go, right? Yeah. But and that I wasn't talk... even written by Theodore Geisel. That, oh, that really? was his, that was his, uh, his uh, the, the guy who took over the, 
the um, uh, the brand after he died. Still a brilliant, brilliant book, in my opinion. Right. But, but I, 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 I may or may not be setting you up here. What's your what's your thoughts on Dr. Seuss? Well, I I personally love his stories and I see how kids react with his stories. Mm-hmm. I love the rhyme. And you know, some of them are, are just nonsense stories. But there are some like, you know, the, the Lorax or, um, mm-hmm. oh, the places you'll go that really have yeah. a deep meaning that yeah. it really adults can connect with. So that's my I, take. Yeah, I was going to say the, the mindset piece. Yeah, look at like from the mindset piece, you want to have some fun. Go back and reread the story about, I think it was the Sneetches with the yeah, star. That's the one oh, I was yeah, 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 yeah. And read that and realize, my gosh, you know, <laughs> this, this is racism. This is people yeah. with different skin color, different religious backgrounds, different yeah. economic. And you realize, dude got deep. Right. He took yeah. a drive. It's he a did. silly story for kids. But when you think about it, you realize, whoa, this is this. He dove deep on that one. I love I, see, I love that. I think that, so that, so that the fusion of art, entertainment and kind of social activism and, and just making the world a better place all kind of rolled up into one. You could right. never accomplish nice that package without that kind of mechanism. It's so clever. I would also mm-hmm. say that it's sewn together with not a small level of unmitigated genius. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he made a scathing, deep social commentary in rhyme with cartoons, and he used like 212 words to do it. Yes, yes. Like, the reason I asked you guys about Dr. Seuss is because he's one of my all-time heroes. I consider him to be... Uh, as important as any historical figure. I re- I really genuinely do. Um, not everybody can look at what he did and see the, the, what it took. Mm-hmm. But all you have to say is why don't you try writing something meaningful with 212 or less super simple words. Oh, and if you get stuck for a simple word, feel free to make a word up, but we have right. to know what it means based on the sound of it. Right. Right. So, right. So I said it was apropos of nothing, but it engendered in me many things at once. A passion for reading, because it's the only way I could access his stories. Uh, support for my creativity. Uh, an unchecked sense of wonder, because, I mean, you guys have probably seen his non, non-storybook non artwork, I assume. Have you seen yes. any of his other yes. artwork? He... He was a genius on that level as well. Um, his artwork is phenomenal, and it captures it. <laughs> this is maybe, this is maybe like a, an educator specific joke, but <laughs> I hold him on a par with Mister Rogers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. very true. That's very true. Yeah, I, I really I was Mister Rogers lover too. So, oh my god. Yeah, he was it, he it, was deep too. Beyond deep. I mean, really beyond deep. For anybody watching this, if you want your mind blown and you feel like you maybe want to have a good cry, Google, and I'm not kidding here, or or YouTube, Mr. Rogers speaks to Congress. Mm. Anybody seen that? How do you talk? I have not seen that, that, no. You have homework, You're going to have to do that after. (laughs) It's it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. In about three minutes, he gets, 
I don't remember the senator's name, a senator who was down on public education and down on everything and just really just a, a angry man. He gets him to almost weep and approve like $62 million for public education. Really? In like, in like three minutes. It, it's just phenomenal. Wow. So thank you for indulging me in that little aside that I, I, I think... Um, <laughs> anecdotally proves a couple of interesting points that we're making. I guess I want to know now, did I forget anything that you guys feel is relevant to the work you're doing? Have, where are we in terms of having really given you a stage to talk about this, this work? How did I do? Is there anything you need to bring up that we forgot? I, oh, I think this is great. I I'm okay. In terms of, yeah. Uh, just trying to take it out there to people. And this is a platform that you've helped us tremendously with that. Yes. Thank but you. Is, but is there anything you want to speak about now that we didn't get to? I, well, I would like to sort of circle back to yeah. when you asked the question about ideally reaching one child at a time, I probably should have been a little bit clear. <laughs> I think that that part goes to um, when we're helping parents, we're helping parents work with, their children. And what I want parents to understand is there are ways that you can work with your child, like Mike was saying, and, and help them along their reading and writing journey, their educational journey, just by taking a lot of what they probably already know about their children. Most parents know that their children love music or love to dance or work better with, or need a lot of repetition. And all of those things are suggestions that we have for parents and and we provide that in different ways but i think going back to what mike said you know there are there's online services that you can get from parents or there's tutors that you can hire for your child but i and mike chime in if you agree or disagree but i think the the main message that we really felt was important especially right now that we're all at home with our kids is that Parents really can take that ball and roll with it. You you can be the driving force for your child from the educational standpoint and you can make it fun. It doesn't it doesn't have to be this drawn out process. You can tap into their strengths and their interests to make it fun. Right. So step, step up right now. Step up and get involved yeah. in your child's life. Don't wait on other people. Don't spend another day waiting on other people or other institutions to take care of your child for you. You step up and get involved. Realize that one size doesn't fit all right. and that you know your child best of all. You have much more skill and much more talent and ability and influence than you think. And that you can teach your child, give them the tools they need, not just to perform specific almost tactical skills, reading, doing their number skills, arithmetic, division, things like that, which obviously are important, but to be many, as you were talking about earlier, a more effective human being, uh, somebody who be able to go into a rapidly changing world and and, uh, uh, deal with it and adapt with it and be successful in it. And you need to get involved in that. Guys, do either of you know Saheb John Ili Himat? Does that name ring a bell? Hmm. They just said, call me. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, John Ili Himat, and I apologize for most likely butchering your name. Um, you need to reach out to them. 
that that's the standard protocol for social media. If you'd like to speak to one or both of them, reach out to them. It's Mike Hodges and Julie Hodges Armstrong. Uh-huh. Armstrong. Um, <laughs> and and I know I, I can it. tell you without a doubt, both of them would be happy to speak with you. So Absolutely. thank you for that. Absolutely. Saib. All right, you guys. Um, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I thought uh thought you did really well as a as a team, by the way. <laughs> no arguing. No arguing. No arguing. Uh, <laughs> the, the the rhythm was good, Daddy O. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys oh, so awesome. much. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You much. It was great. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Peace. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Manny Wolf Show. If you know someone that you'd love to have me interview, please go to my website at mannywolf.com. That's M-A-N-N-Y-W-O-L-F-E.com and submit them as a potential guest. We love to bring guests on that our audience wants to hear from. So please help us to find the best guests for you by going to mannywolf.com submitting anyone that you have in mind to be a great guest, including yourself. And if you'd like to know more about me and what I do, please come over to Facebook and join my group, simply called the Manny Wolf Group. If you'd like to get more into my world where we have all kinds of tips, trainings, valuable stuff for you to help you get better at growing your brand and your audience, please come and join the Manny Wolf Group on Facebook. Until our next episode, I'll see you.